0: A pilot and a podcast wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass I have a good portable speakers playing Boz Skaggs I wish I had a million dollars I wish I had a million albums I wish I had a million problems That way I couldn't pinpoint all One million outcomes I wish I found a genie lamp I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man yeah. I wish I was a comedian Late night sitcom syndicated On TV land I wish this well had water in it these kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth, you can help me wish, but I would rather wish the help It's like, it's like. I wish, I wish, that every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we do it it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels. Wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming speed. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my lime bead. I wish that I could spread my wings. Nah. I wish that I had seven limbs. Yeah. That way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Dímelo, dímelo. At least I kind of understand it. <laughs> wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit and get so large I could play pool with the planets. Yeah. I wish I was an astronaut. I wish I knew more classic rock. <laughs> Focused on myself. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish that every time we love in the feels just like this. Like this. I wish, and every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, and every time we move it, it feels just like, like this. Feels just like this. Feels just like this
1: working okay? Why am I so quiet? Oh, I see why. My bad. <laughs> Hello, cats and kittens, and welcome to another episode of The Debrief. I am your host, Brianna Joy Gray, and we have a lot of catching up to do. I don't have very much time today. We had to keep it to a tight hour, so let's just get right into it. I know a lot's going on on the internet. I respect your desire to talk about drama, if that is what it is, but we also have had a couple of episodes go by without doing a debrief, and I know some folks have said they wanted to talk about um, Monday's UPS pending strike episode and other things that are going on in the world and in the news as well. So let's get to it. Bide, you're up first. For some reason, your name is Joe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's going, going on? By, um, I'm going by Joe Byron now uh, <laughs> to protect my anonymity and to show my support for the galaxy brain of our president who. Uh, engineered the student loan uh, debt relief to come up right at the end of his term so that he would fight for it again and the election outcome will be dependent on uh, him I guess passing this actual student debt relief how much do you do you do you buy that because that's an argument that I'm seeing and hello by the way it's been a while
1: it has been a while. Hello. Um, so for one, there's a big overarching question question about how likely you think it is that Biden is going to win in 2024. So it's all moot. Um, you heard, I think Persis say that the um, notice and comment requirements of doing this under the higher education act will take us beyond the end of his current term. So, there is some contingency here on him winning re-election, which, of course, is really, of course, is really sort of perverse, given that we now have this example of Biden using student debt cancellation as a carrot to young voters to turn out in midterms. Is he planning to use this as an inducement to get people to vote for him in the general election, saying, well, I got to I got to close the circle in student debt cancellation? I mean, I hate that. So that's that's one level of skepticism. Yeah. Um what what was your exact question again oh it just like i it wasn't do
2: you buy that take you know that this was all planned out in some boardroom or some you know genius level of politics which is going to inure to the benefit of Biden getting more voters or somehow compelling us to get back out to uh, um, vote
1: for him look it's just speculation right but Biden promised to do student debt cancellation. He ran on it. He then proceeded to be quiet as a church mouse about it for almost two years. Right?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I don't remember him saying a mumbling word about it in 2021. And he didn't really say anything about it until literally, what was that, like August of 2020? I think that's right. Which was, you know, a couple of months before midterms. And the little form that we all filled out uh, to qualify and and all that, and our little email notices that we got saying that we were approved, all came right around midterms. So that's the evidence. You know, do with that yeah. what you will. If it wasn't planned, it sucked.
2: Either well, way. I think it's, it's hard to know with this guy, honestly. I mean, like, either way, I think it's a – If it was planned, I was on the side that it wasn't planned. He just sucks. Um, But that's that's convincing, honestly, the the timing of the original student debt relief announcement. But I I, I mean, I think the. The last thing I'll say is I I think he's if if it was planned, if this was seen as like an opportunity to get us back on board or to get anyone on board, uh, I say us like you were ever on board. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which you were not. Uh, I had to learn later, but you know, to get us, to get people back on board to vote for him, I think uh, maybe it's just me, but the energy feels like um, someone in a third party could actually make a run this time around. Honestly, it. it I, I think there are too many people who are fed up with the kind of results that he's been achieving or the non-results he's been achieving. I think uh, I I've seen more and more sort of uh, criticisms of capitalism just like popping up everywhere. Uh, I think that s- some of the people, at least, who are paying attention, and even those who really aren't, can kind of see that a lot of the promises being made are uh, they're just false promises. It's 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 bullshit. It's it's stuff. It scraps when the kind of reforms that are necessary, the kinds of changes that are necessary are are mounting up to basically like revolutionary levels, right? Like, like you can't keep giving people just shit. The fact like, you know, that he's going to restart the interest on student debt. uh, That's, uh, you know, on student debt, people are going to have to repay interest. Interest is going to accrue again. Like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, it, It is, if that's someone who was really caring for student relief, It's within his power to stop the interest payments, right? Mm -hmm. No one, nothing in that court decision is compelling him to restart the interest. So what the fuck is he doing? Well, he has to serve the people who he actually serves. He has to go back and actually go back to capital and say, well, look, we we have it under control and don't worry, guys, we're going to give you your $10,000 of student debt. When, As you've spoken about many times before, uh, sometimes with a lot of these huge student debt outstanding balances, the interest payments are like stopping the interest can have a better effect on you financially and actually contribute more to your paying down your actual loans than getting the lump sum of $10,000. So it's yep. just, you know, everyone already knows the game. Uh, I just, I wanted to bring that up because I know you did the episode today. Uh, and, uh, you know, fuck them, fuck them. They're, they're not going to win this. I I I mean, the other point
1: I would just point out is that if, you know, there's this question given how long the on-ramp for the higher education act is, why not just do that first?
0: Why not try that
1: first? Why set yourself up? Yeah. Why set yourself up to have a plan B that was never going to be viable without the hypothetical second term that you in no way are guaranteed to get?
2: I guess that goes to the election the elect, like trying to set it up for uh, re-election, right? Cause if you can plan out the timing of it, if you could say, well, look, I- I'm playing devil's advocate here. Uh, Republicans are going to look like shit because they have to go and actually challenge this in the courts. They're going to come up with all these ridiculous claims about why it doesn't, you know, why this is unconstitutional. The Biden administration will be able to call out and see, wow, look how Republicans are saying, uh, Look how much they do for you. Look how much they actually care for you. Is they're willing to go start a whole court case and just to stop $10,000 of relief, which is so moderate. So, what we need to do is we need to get these courts back. We need to do all this stuff. And the way that you can do that is to do the one piece of uh, democracy that you're allowed to do every year, which is vote for us so that we can, you know, uh, give you, I don't know, like, so we can fly a, a trans rights parade while doing nothing to actually stop the laws, which are materially affecting them right it's like it's this that would be the cynical play right and i could see like a galaxy brain super like i don't know west wing watcher or something who was planning all this shit out trying to do that but honestly i I think it's just i think it's more uh, i i i don't care honestly it, it doesn't matter to me like if it's incompetence or if it's him having a plan to not help people actively. Uh, the results are the same and uh, don't buy it. And uh, as you would say, you don't have to vote for Joe Biden. So that's, that's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> appreciate it. Let you get to some other callers, but good to talk with you again.
1: Good talking to you too, Joe. <laughs> Thanks for going <laughs> in. Wink, wink. <laughs> all,
2: right,
3: <bye. laughs>
1: all right. If you're new here, I take one from the front and then one randomly selected from the queue. So I'm going to go back and call on uh, uh, Bobby. What's in your mind tonight, Bobby? Bobby, can you unmute yourself? Did I catch you off guard? If so, I'll move on. No, I'm here. Oh, okay, Bobby. What's in your mind this afternoon? I,
4: I cannot believe that I'm actually speaking to you. I've tried so many times.
1: Well, I'm glad you got mm. through this time. What's in your mind?
4: Uh, well, um, I didn't listen to the episode yet. I, I really want to, but um, I'm just working stuff. But um, mm. <clears throat> I, uh, my issue with the whole student loan thing
5: mm-hmm.
4: is that I feel like I feel like the um, the way that it's fright. Like no one talks about the fact that, <clears throat> that it's really illegitimate like the loans themselves sorry i'm a little nervous talking to you it's funny you're good but um
1: we're we're on the same team here
4: yeah yeah um wife i'm just totally caught off guard Uh, but um i'm a part of student loan justice Mm. org this um this group that allen collins like about 20 years ago now uh but the whole thing that their initial cause was to fight for the return of bankruptcy because mm-hmm. um essentially that's the basis why the whole system itself is not legitimate because there's no there's so many protections that have been stripped just outside of bankruptcy I mean, even just that basic thing, Mm -hmm. um, like if, you know, if to me and uh, I could give them a loan knowing that they could never, ever not repay me. file for bankruptcy that they can never, you know, hell yeah, I'm going to give them a law. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I feel like because of that system, um, that that none of the lenders, or even the servicers for that matter, uh, really act in good faith. Um, so I, I wish that it was talked about more like that, because to me, it's just not even a legitimate. Uh, lending instrument any longer because there's so many protections, so many basic protections that students, student, you know, they don't have that so many other, you know, credit cards. I mean, my wife and I filed for bankruptcy not that long ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still have student loans, (laughs) but, but, you know, it was due to medical bills. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know, that, I just wish it would be more, Framed like that because everybody just kind of no. Uh,
1: Bobby, you cut out a little bit for us. You said some, you wish it were framed more. Oh, there you go. You're back. What was that, Bobby? You said it, sometimes it, it, you wish it were framed more like that because dot dot dot.
4: Oh, um, because it, it it it's just. Because people need to know that it's not really a legitimate tool for lending. Um, Yeah, I think that's such an
1: important point, especially because of the role Joe Biden paid in ensuring that uh, student debt couldn't be discharged in bankruptcy. Um, And I think your uh, argument that that feature of student debt is part of why uh, lenders are – interested in, in extending these kind of predatory loans, that combined with the ability to garnish your wages, et cetera, makes it a, a kind of a good bet and doesn't put any um, counter incentives to be, you know, more discerning about the debt that's actually dished out, including it being federally backed debt. All of these kinds of things um, really encourage colleges to drive up costs. So I see a lot of comments that uh, under the video and under my student debt posts which are identical. I'm sometimes reluctant to accuse people of being bots, uh, but I should note that there's a lot of like literally identical comment. But whether or not their bots are real, the comment goes along the lines of, um, I don't see why working class people should have to pay for college kids' debt, especially without getting to the root of the problem. This is frustrating to me on two levels. One is that, well, yeah, if we had elected Bernie Sanders, to be president, he understood that there needed to be a comprehensive reform that included making uh, public colleges and universities tuition free. So that going forward, if somebody chose to take out debt to go to a private institution, it truly would be a choice as opposed to what it is now, which is a hierarchical tiered system where all college you know, very few people go to college for free, even public institutions because of mass defunding. And there are enormously different outcomes that you can get out of your life, depending on what institution you go to, which fuels this rat race and this competitiveness around higher education and allows elite institutions at least to justify the costs of those institutions. and makes parents and families feel justified in going into incredible debt because it does legitimately give their kids a leg up. So I agree with that aspect of it. But just because y'all voted for not y'all, you guys, obviously, but, you know, the people who are mad in the commons voted for Biden. We're in a situation where only part of the problem gets addressed. To me, that's not an excuse to address the part that we still have control over right now. And that there's the part that Joe Biden promised to take care of. Um, and it's worth reiterating that more money was spent on the PPP cancellation, uh, PPP loans that were subsequently canceled then would be hypothetically spent on this cancellation. Of course, nothing is actually spent, but then the amount that would be canceled. um, And I would argue that this is a much more, quote unquote, deserving population. Kids that listened to the government's advice and went and got an education that was supposed to allow them a ladder up in society, um, allow them to get better jobs and take care of themselves and not be a menace to society, uh, but were too poor to pay for the education that Joe Biden's kids get to have. And instead of a bunch of businesses that didn't use the money as they were supposed to, fired staff anyway. Businesses like UPS, um, but the government paid off their, their loans. So here we are. But I, I think that that's an excellent point, and it's worth um, it's worth uh, raising more frequently. I, it looks like you dropped off, but I appreciate you calling in, Bobby. Chris Brown, what's in your mind tonight? Hello. Hello.
6: Hey, what's up? Uh, how you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. What are you thinking about these days?
6: Uh, What am I thinking about these days? Well, I've been wrapped in this monor- uh, this Twitter whole thing with uh, Kiki Palmer. I'm not going to lie. Oh, let me all, tell you. It, it's been all, I totally, like, it's the only thing that's popping up on my Twitter right now. Like, you get a little bit of stuff, like, I guess because I follow, like, Olay, I've been kind of getting stuff with TIT, mm-hmm. so, but it's all Kiki Palmer down my Twitter list. <laughs> is
0: it? Is it?
2: Go so ahead. we
1: talked about it this morning, Robbie, I saw it. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie did not know who <laughs> Kiki Palmer is. And I was like, it's Kiki Palmer, baby.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's Kiki Palmer, baby. I was like, I don't even know where to start. And so much of the conversation got eaten up with just explaining who Kiki Palmer was that know. we didn't even get to all the stuff about how black Twitter went and found every receipt about her man.
6: Oh Lord have mercy. Oh man. Yep. Uh, yeah. He, um, well, apparently he deactivated his stuff and you know, they ran him off and it got some opinions. I'm not going to lie. These um probably, this is, This conversation right here is going to fuel these podcast mics for Mm -hmm. a good month and a half. That's all we're about to hear. And it's like, it it, 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 it got a little bit of everything that Black Twitter loves. So it's like, it's relationships, it's power dynamics, the old typical, I'm the man, you're the woman, what does that mean kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Then it's also respectability, misogyny, which we love to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we also got the the men who are responding with the hypocrisy with women. You, you just get a little bit of everything. So this is going full, fuel the podcast scene for a good month and a half.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. All the comments under the rising video were like, uh, <laughs> I can't w- "Women, women want everything except to take responsibility or something like that." And yeah. they were like, "Well, if the roles were reversed and da da," I'm like, "I don't know. I don't. I don't. I just don't care." Like I. be mad Uh, look he's allowed to be uncomfortable with uh, interaction I'm not going to sit here and say I wouldn't feel maybe on some level it's a little disrespectful if my husband were well they're not married but but my partner were carrying on on stage with some celebrity I mean I'd like to think that you know if my boyfriend were like uh, invited on stage by Megan the Stallion and she <laughs> did a little twerky twerk and he was like, ooh la la, like I wouldn't take it personally because yeah. Megan the Stallion is not trying to get with my boyfriend and this is just a little bit of fun fantasy for, yeah. you know, like I would like to think that I'm mature enough that I wouldn't actually be upset about it. But let's just say for some reason, I am. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that me, someone who only exists in the comfort of my lifestyle but choose to embarrass my partner publicly and try you, to talk down to him and yeah. try to, you know, use the fact that they're famous to embarrass them
6: Yeah. to make
1: myself feel more, more powerful. I don't, I can't, What whatever wrongness might have existed on Kiki Palmer's part is completely erased by that sort of behavior, which is only the kind of behavior that you do when you're trying to hurt someone that you ostensibly love.
6: Yeah, yeah. Um, I have, like, two opinions on that, but I fully agree with you. I think the huge part, though, where he is completely and utterly wrong is how he handled it. Because mm-hmm. that's literally just a text message or a phone call you could have had. And who knows? Maybe he did say something, and maybe she told him, fuck you, I'm having a good time. And then he, he felt like online was the outlet for him to kind of get that stuff off. But I actually don't think he was mad about what she was wearing. No, of course He was mad about Usher. That's, what it, that's literally... You can't convince me any way other. It was just the idea that she was being, she was, uh, she was, uh, she's been, you know, she was doing, she was doing a lot. And reacting to Usher and I think and on top of it, she had that on so it was like it's not about what she was wearing but who who it was in front of. Yeah that's of the thing people have stuff. pointed
1: out that he has taken video of her exactly. twerking in tight leopard print outfits and posted Ooh, it like oh look was, at my look. girl he's taking pictures of her butt ass naked holding Ooh, their baby man. and covering her boobs with her hand like he's taken a million pictures of her and posted them and to social happily community. gleefully yeah. celebrating his, his, his woman and what she looks like and good on him so, like, don't even pretend it's about the outfit. And also, you don't get to do all of this Cro-Magnon, trad husband, uh traditional man routine. Yeah. yeah. When you're not the husband. Now, I don't know the circumstances of the relationship. Maybe it's Kiki Palmer who doesn't want to get married. But yeah. you can't be in an untraditional situation yourself. It's untraditional because you're not married and, and you have a child. It's untraditional because you are not the breadwinner. I'm not judging you for any of those things. I think that's cool. But you can't be living an entire untraditional life. And then turn around and be like, "Well, the real woman respects her husband in these ways, like, sir,
6: <laughs>
1: sir." And and for those who don't know, that Black Twitter went and did a little tippy tippy type with their Ooh, their Twitter fingers and found out up. that he had tr- he was he said a bunch of transphobic stuff that he was like, um, "One of these Black Lives Matter victims deserved to get killed because the they girl, weren't following girl, the man. rules." like he has said apparently nothing good in his entire life and if we're really gonna get into it it's at this point very difficult well let me not i'm not trying to get any friendly fire coming kiki's way but there are now some questions about why she chose to be with this man to begin with
6: yeah yeah and i think that's like that's like honestly as far as like everything that happened as far um with him just being getting stuff, getting brought up about him. It's like, yeah, this is kind of the thing that he should have thought of too. Like you can't take, like you said, you can't take that kind of role of the idea of traditions, knowing you're not really in a traditional relationship. I think the one thing I will give him just a little ounce of something on is just him having, I guess, how he feels being invalidated by the world, because regardless if it was right or wrong, obviously i think it was wrong how he went about it and this is the huge problem you should have kept you should keep your relationship private so with that being said he was clearly pissed off and then it's like oh because he don't make as much money as her he shouldn't he should just shut the fuck up well i think people have been calling him a nanny someone called him an employee and it's, it's very <laughs> interesting how those dynamics happen like the other side around so it's just called just the hypocrisy on that kind of end but overall though he handled that shit completely completely wrong and it's i mean you get nating up for it and you got you got eating a lot for it so
1: yeah look uh, he's obviously allowed to have whatever feelings that he has and not earning money doesn't not entitle him to feel disrespected in the context (laughs) of his relationship Mm -hmm. but i'm sorry any sliver of sympathy i might have had for him went out the door (laughs) when he tried to publicly embarrass america's sweetheart America's sweetheart.
6: That's what she she's America's sweetheart.
1: I can't think of anybody that is a university universally loved like Kiki Palmer.
6: Yeah, she she's been the goat for a while. I've I've always I always thought Kiki Palmer was just like awesome. And then all oh, Batty, too. People just people
1: Yes. Just, she's one of the most talented people in America. I don't quite know why she hasn't found her like vehicle yet, like her vehicle mm-hmm. to real stardom. Mm-hmm. Because whatever they put her in, she thrive she excels put a mic in this woman's hand put her in front of a camera let her sing on one of those jimmy fallon shows Mm -hmm. let her red carpet you know host do her thing like she needs a talk show she did have a talk show what happened to it does she still have it I
6: don't know she doesn't have it no more but I think
1: she did have something someone
6: correct me if I'm right or if I'm wrong in that put like, I mean, little-
1: her <laughs> in more movies I enjoyed her a great deal in Nope I think that she, gen- she yes. genuinely brings star power to every single thing that she does I have never not been deeply entertained by a camera being pointed at that woman
6: uh yeah oh yeah yeah I agree I agree she's uh she's definitely one of the A-list in my person I remember there was like a, a black Twitter had this whole thing about like why Kiki Palmer doesn't have this the same kind of stardom that Zendaya did mm-hmm. and I got on and she kind of was like um here's my record first of all before y'all just think that mm-hmm. like I remember that outshining me and stuff and I kind of and obviously it went through the, the conversation with colorism and all. Mm-hmm. Those- so, but I was like, wait, man, are y'all really sitting here trying to play like Kiki Palmer? It's not in fucking everything in her range as opposed to like same as Zendaya. Like, Zendaya is like, um, I think she's a really, really, really good actor. And I think she really shows her range in that uh, very toxic trash show, uh, Euphoria, that I love so much. But it, it's the worst, it's probably the worst show I've known. <laughs> like, but, but. Her acting is, like, top-tier phenomenal. And now she's getting more of these roles. Like, I ain't going a lot. I am a little curious about the new role she's going to do with the two boyfriends thing and the aspect of that. Um, that sounds like that's Yeah, one.
1: I mean, we'll see. Look, Sondaya is also a triple threat and very talented yep. and can sing and dance and stuff. I just think Kiki yeah. is on a whole other level of just – she's like a comedian. Mm-hmm. She, she's, she's like a Jamie Foxx. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like a next-level yep. talent Great. just – Can do anything effortlessly. I'm just, I'm so excited to see where her career goes. And I'll tell you what, I'm not interested in that raggedy ass, sorry, excuse me. Her partner interfering with her thriving in any way. I have no (laughs) tolerance. Brady shenanigans from Darius.
6: You're not going to listen to his podcast. He has a
1: podcast. I'm not interested.
6: I believe he has, believe he has a podcast. I'm pretty. Also, concerned.
1: I didn't realize he was the brother of that light skinned guy from yeah, so like, Insecure. He,
6: he got dark. It's like, come on, man. You-
1: <laughs> I was like, you are like so on- third degree famous right now.
6: Uh
1: huh. <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, I'm not trying to drag him. I, I'm, I'm sure he is looking at his wounds and he knows he made a mistake and he's going to go back to hopefully being a supportive partner and father. And I, I'm happy to forget about this. He just better not try us again.
6: Try us. Okay, I got you. you the bar. <laughs> like the bar, uh the Mickey Minaj stands and everything. But that's good. That's good. That's good. Kiki Kiki deserves her flowers and I'm glad she's getting it. I'm glad people came and really did defend her because it was like I'm thinking about it too, like, um, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, I think I would just deal with the bullshit. So I put myself if I was in a relationship and then Rihanna calls me on stage and then it's like one of them performances where she like change up and then she just does a whole bunch of stuff. I'm probably gonna act an ass too. And so then it's like if that if it was my girl and it was a singer, I
1: it's I a singer. It. Usher's forty four year old ass <laughs> is not doing anything other than performing on the stage for twenty nine year old Kiki Palmer, who just popped a baby out like two months ago. Why are we all the acting like there's no context all here? All
6: hell and thick in all the right goddamn the, places. They're,
1: they're <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they caught. There was some elevator camera that caught her and Usher canoodling up in some private. Place exchanging glances and whispers <laughs> they were fully on the stage performing excitement about each other in front of thousands of people in the lowest risk situation possible she didn't say well i'm about to leave my man for usher <laughs> you know she didn't say oh my raggedy ass uh partner better watch out because he's no usher you know she she was fangirling over a an icon
6: yeah
1: yeah was- a, who's like actually untouchable and out of reach and like not a real person he's just a character he's an icon
6: yeah but they are in the same kind of peer group if you think about it okay
1: come on if someone I'm dating is like oh man oh Halle Berry imagine me actually getting upset about that I have to to, for me to get upset about that I've got to put it in my brain Mm -hmm. that somehow me and Halle Berry are in actual competition with each other (laughs) over my raggedy boyfriend (laughs)
6: Also, like, it's arrogance. It's arrogance.
1: It's come this. on! Like who do you think? You, like who do you think you are? Who do you think I am? Like this is absurd. The fact Let's that just, Darius think that yeah that Usher that he's in this. come on. If Russia were in play, sorry, if Russia were in play, lol. If Usher were in play, he never would have been in play. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like, if Usher were really in the running, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You'd be getting a little alimony check, and uh, Kiki and Usher and them kids would be off living a lovely life elsewhere. So let's not even play games.
6: I'm not even going to lie to you. I never thought of it in that kind of way. It's kind of really funny. But I appreciate you, I appreciate you. <laughs> The fact that Darius was like, nah, yo, this dude can, nah, 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 he ain't all that, dog. Nah, nah, you need to dress like a, you need to dress like a woman, dog. Be at home. Mm
1: -mm. There, but for the grace of Usher, you're with Kiki Palmer, okay?
6: At home with me as we watch Netflix, (laughs) as opposed to probably that uh, the the residency he has in Vegas, man. Right. <laughs> right,
3: Usher's
1: out here. Kim Kardashian is trying to fly out to go see Usher's show, and you're worried about whether <laughs> Kiki Palmer had a good time on the stage with him for two minutes. Like, relax. He's yeah, Usher. It
6: wasn't that bad, honestly. Like what she did do, it was. It really wasn't. I tried to like. Take it. I was like, ah, yeah, they're a little close, and you know, she did the little twirl for him. But then it's like, honestly, that's mild compared with.
1: Also, like, let this woman who just gave birth be validated. Like, let her have a moment of self-esteem and getting <laughs> reaffirmed by the public after having gone through a pregnancy and all of that entails. Just let her get some some no, affirmation. Only Are you still, Like, you should enjoy that your wife is getting these big ups like this. You know, my wife, my wife likes, looks good on stage. You could have tweeted something like, Mm, I can't. I'm so glad she's coming home. Me and only me tonight. I mean, that would have been a little bit insecure and thirsty, but at least it would have been an expression <laughs> of pride in your partner and possessiveness that comes out of a sense of desire and longing and not a desire to put her down.
6: I think that's I think that's like sensible to think, though. But jealousy honestly doesn't work like that, unfortunately
1: yeah well he now looks jealous <laughs> and small yeah. and you
5: Very,
1: know yeah. we like I'm, I'm I'm happy to look past this if kiki is happy to look past it but like <laughs> i said he's he's on borrowed time yeah well. don't do it again
6: <laughs> I because think kiki has time.
1: options okay
6: I, well clearly kiki got kiki. options. <laughs> kiki he got options Kiki,
2: do you love me? Are you
6: riding? <laughs> that song was about her. After other Kiki, Drake was talking about the real Kiki farmer. Fuck out of here.
1: <laughs> Yo, I need someone to put together a TikTok immediately. Oh, that, yeah. that needs to get
6: done. Oh, well, usher her. Kiki, do you love me? Yes.
1: <laughs> but
6: I agree. I took up too much time. Sorry.
1: No, that was fun. Thanks for calling in and giving me an opportunity to Kiki about Kiki.
6: All right.
2: All right.
1: Take care. Keep the faith. All right. Let's go down the line. One from the front, one from the middle. Um, Solstenista. Solstenista. Yeah. I don't know that I've seen you in here before. What's on your mind this afternoon? Can you unmute yourself? Are you with us? Solstenista.
3: Can you hear me? Can you hear me?
1: Hello. Yes, I can hear you. What's on your mind this afternoon? Sorry about that.
3: Uh, I'm a UPS driver out here representing local 70. Oh, terrific! In Austin, California, and I just wanted to let uh, you know so how much I've been appreciating following all your news, especially the railroad strike. That really, that stuff really helped us and, and me and my little cohort prepare for what for what may or may not. Coming our way, and your show the other day uh, talking to some people from the uh, teams, just from the Democratic Union stuff, that was really helpful. I just wanted to let you know I appreciate the kind of doing uh, for the labor movement. But uh, as you can probably hear in the background, I'm, I'm working as we speak. Uh, I'm a two-two-four driver, one of the lower uh, tier drivers that, that were the subject of the of one of the major points of contention. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to tell you I really
1: appreciate. Well, look, I appreciate you calling in. That you know, that's amazing. I don't know. I don't want to distract you too much, or you know, get you in any trouble or anything. Oh, it's all good. But can you give us a sense of you know what the vibe is like among you and your coworkers? How people are feeling? I saw the Alex Press just put out a new uh, article updating the negotiations, which apparently broke down yesterday. Yes.
3: yes, indeed. They broke down. I think the major point of contention is the uh, part-time pay, which in most parts of the country, including here in the Bay Area, which as you know, is one of the most expensive places you could live in the entire mm-hmm. country. Um, it's $15 an hour. And, um, I tell you, it's, you know, for part-time work, it's what they do is, is, is backbreaking work. Um, I see these people in the building every, every day, not only do they load the package cars, they're loading the, the uh, you know, the 18 wheeler trailers and stuff. So the, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a huge task these people do. Um, and it, it's interesting. One thing that, that I haven't heard talk about is UPS actually, uh, last peak season, last year raised the part-time pay to $20. Um and it was celebrated by the workers as soon as peak was over unceremoniously they just took the raise away mm. which is you know for any industry you know my, my, my partner is a vocational counselor so she knows a lot about labor herself and you know mm. counsels people in all kinds of jobs like that's just unheard of and cruel uh it to is. just, you know give somebody a raise and then take it away um you know and i mean and families were depending on that money they budgeted for it and then yeah. without even so much as a as a formal announcement apology they just took it away so to see these people fighting for you know for crumbs basically and UPS pitting pitting people against each other you know it's it's just it's just a, a really sad situation. So I think that yeah, that that's that's one of the from what we hear. We don't hear everything that's going on in those negotiations, but what we have been hearing is that the major point of contention is the part-time pay.
5: Well, one
1: thing and I've and been really hard by is seeing how, how many people in the comments are like. I used to work for UPS. I do work for UPS. My cousin worked for UPS. My girlfriend worked for UPS. My mom worked for UPS. Like it's what's really remarkable here is it does seem like, because it's such a huge employer, this issue feels very close to a lot of people, which gives me a yeah. lot of confidence about having public support, despite all of the fear mongering and the dismissive comments about oh they earn ninety thousand dollars a year and all of this this stuff. You know, I, I, I've heard I've seen such a warm and positive response under the video and under, you know, posts on Twitter and things like that that are very personal in nature. So I hope yeah. I hope that you feel that I mean, solidarity. And I, so go ahead.
3: Well, when people talk about how much UPS drivers get paid, top tier, top tier UPS drivers do get paid pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they'll throw out a number like that. Oh, the drivers get paid $90,000 a year. I don't think they they understand what drivers are going through to get that ninety thousand dollars a year. Uh-huh. They are working every hour for that ninety <laughs> that ninety thousand dollars a year. We start our day at at eight thirty or nine in the morning, and we don't get to decide when we come home um, at uh-huh. night. Some of these some some drivers are forced to be out in in the streets until eleven o'clock at night. Um, Wow. Their last guest did talk about like the military style leadership UPS has. If you don't deliver every package on your truck, you're threatened with discipline. You're threatened with being fired. It is constant. You don't have a choice to work an eight-hour day. That's just an eight-hour day for a UPS driver. Is well, if you're if you if you don't have, have have 10 years of seniority under your belt, pretty much an eight hour day is is unheard of. Um, mm-hmm. most drivers are forced to stay out, you know, so people are working 13 14 hours a day. Um, and and you know, they put so many packages on a truck that you 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 can't see from the from the front end to the back of your truck. So it, it, it's when you're out there trying to deliver the conditions. Uh, it's, it's pretty horrendous and it's, it is a reason why, you know, the rates are so high because the packages are getting bigger, volume is getting stronger. Also too, even though UPS, um, had made record profits during the, during the, um, pandemic, uh, there has been a slight downturn in volume. So what they're doing is cutting cars, laying off lower seniority drivers. So, um, Basically, for your average UPS driver, it's like peak season all year round because they're putting less cars out there. We don't get a break, you know, like when it when when the when the economy turns out, we're delivering ourselves just as much volume as we ever have.
1: That's such an important point. And I do think that, you know, I think there is a public there's a popular conception of. You know, the a certain kind of delivery, small personal packages, the kind of stuff that the average consumer has most the most exposure to as opposed to larger trucks, heavier packages, the hot backs of the trucks as we're talking about, the air conditioning issue, the physical labor yeah. of it all. Like that, I think, is really important to expand people's understanding of what exactly we're talking about here. Um, and I really appreciate all the guests on uh, Monday's show going through that and you joining in to provide some of that color as well. Thank you again for calling in. Thank you so much.
3: Uh, Keep it up. I'm spreading, spreading the word about your show to all my Teamster brothers uh, and uh, we'll keep listening. I appreciate that.
1: And shout out to Teddy as well for all of the coverage he's been doing uh, throughout on his podcast. Yeah. I'm going to check that out for sure. I haven't
3: listened to it before.
1: All right. Thanks again for calling in. Keep the faith. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, it's so nice. It's so nice and people, I I really love hearing from you guys. I've missed doing this. I'm sorry that I have to cut this short today, but it's been really nice. Nick, what's on your mind tonight?
7: Hi, Um, I just wanted to share my theory as to why I'm seeing what I consider to be the most annoying opinion on Twitter right now, which is that Cornell West should be running in the Democratic primary.
1: Okay, hit us.
7: Uh, So, and the latest thing that's just been spamming on Twitter is this Nation's piece written by Bosker Sankar of why he needs to do it. And my personal theory as to why they're doing this is because Bosker and the DSA are, at the end of the day, completely beholden to the Democratic Party. What they want West to do is go into the primary so that they can claim that they support him, wait for it to be rigged. Uh, wait for him to lose, then the sword loser laws go into effect. He can't run in the general, because right now, if he is poised to run in the general as a green, they're going to look bad because the DSA and Boscar are emphatically not going to endorse or support or volunteer for him. They're ultimately just going to go along with whoever the Democratic nominee is. And if anyone thinks that this is a compelling argument for uh, Cornell to run in the Democratic primary, be extremely Skeptical of this conceit for why it's a good idea is just what I want to spread to everybody that may be seeing it.
1: It's so interesting. I haven't seen the Boscar article. Let me look. Uh, let me. Jacobin, you said, or in the Nation? Um, it's
7: the Nation, but I'm pretty sure Jacobin published an identical piece like a week ago.
1: Um. Why did I not realize he was president of the Nation? Okay, Cornell West should run as a Democrat. Published today. Cornel West is a very serious man, an intellectual superstar. We can skip past all of this. We all agree about how great Cornel West is. Blah, blah, blah. Skip, 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 which makes it all the more unfortunate that instead of waging a campaign designed to push Joe Biden and the country in the direction of justice and compassion, West seems not just resigned, but determined to remain on the margins. He announced his campaign as a nominee for the tiny and scandal-played People's Party. We know all of that. We can jump past that. The reason for West's choice is clear. In our hardly Democratic two-party system, acting as a spoiler in a close race, is the closest a third-party candidate can come to relevancy. And if Donald Trump remains in serious contention next year, that's a risk no progressive can dismiss. I think all of us don't care. The fact that Biden's first term has matched every success with disappointment doesn't change that calculus. He expanded pandemic relief and health coverage with the American Rescue Plan, but then let many of those measures lapse. He advocated climate and the industrial policy initiative with the Inflation Reduction Act, but also approved massive new drilling in Alaska. The choice between former years of Biden or Trump is not difficult. It's less, it's less uh, obvious for some people than others, but never mind. If ever there were a president in need of a left opposition, it's the longtime uh, centrist now in the White House. However, um, there is an available arena in which West could still provide useful pressure by laying out the left alternative to Bidenism, the Democratic primaries, on the debate stage at campaign rallies and in national media coverage, West, with his prophetic voice and moral clarity like Sanders in 2016 and 2020, could accomplish a great deal. Instead of taking his bat and retreating to the margins, we believe West should seek out the truly national stage that running as a Democrat would bring – Instead of letting RFK Jr. leverage his family name and following as an anti-vaccine crusader into an erstage challenge from the left, West should mount a real one offering the radical solutions he's always championed, including on war and peace, in which we believe this country desperately needs. Um, Imagine I
7: mean, the person that is sold on that this day and age.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that fundamentally, and this is what was so interesting, I wish maybe I'll incorporate this clip into a, an upcoming episode. At the at the socialist alternative event where uh, I asked um, uh, Chris Hedges the question about Cornell West, and we got the broke the news about him pivoting to the Green Party, Uh, Shama said some interesting stuff about what the goals of a third party run were going to be. Because this event happened right after Cornell West announced it was kind of the elephant in the room, and she's all she's been very clear about her skepticism about various candidates running in the Democratic primary, although she's obviously not opposed to it, having supported Bernie Sanders in both of his runs. Even in 2020, after he demonstrated that he was unwilling to make a break from the Democratic Party, she still found there to be value enough in Bernie Sanders' run that she supported him and campaigned for him and all of those kinds of things. So it's not ideologically about running as a Democrat, but about the kind of candidate it is. That being said... You know, she's argued, and I think persuasively, that your ability to run as truly a critic of the Democratic Party and as truly adversarial is hamstrung somewhat by being within the Democratic Party. I don't think it's impossible, but it takes a certain amount of chutzpah to be willing to um, say, I'm absolutely not going to do uh, take the pledge to vote for the nominee. I'm willing to get myself excluded from debates and the like. It's not really an issue this time around since everybody's being excluded from debates. Um and to, uh, you know, be as strident a critic of the system when you are willing to work inside of it. I also think the temptation to actually win, and this is a bit of a controversial thing, but if you are invested in, if winning is your primary goal, if like literally being president is, the, is a, your primary goal, I think that you are inclined to make compromises that, undermine i think other important goals perhaps more important goals like the goal of revealing to the american public how corrupt and unsustainable the democratic party in fact is and given the reality that even a equality at the candidate level of bernie sanders was not in fact able to win i personally am skeptical of people who would put the priority of winning the democratic primary being the democratic nominee over the primary of exposing the duopoly to the American public and creating a starting path for a genuinely powerful third-party effort. And that's where I am, and I think that's what um, uh, Baskar is missing the analysis here, that for some of us, the risk of Trump winning, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's unethical, whether you think it's throwing marginalized groups under the bus to say this, is worth the risk if it means advancing the other goal, the other important goal of making it more likely that a third party that can actually work can succeed. Because many of us believe that even if you were to succeed as being the nominee within the Democratic Party, your politics would be thwarted. You would be murdered the way that so many Kennedys were and so many uh, black civil rights leaders were, the deep state would come for you. Like It's just Im- impossible, genuinely impossible. And I think that's a critique of RFK Jr. as well. It's a little confusing to me how he can say, I believe the deep state murdered my family members because they were too critical of the war in Vietnam and they were trying to rein in the power intelligence agencies, which I think is very plausible and might very well be true. But also, I am going to run for president and those things aren't going to hamper me. Within the Democratic Party, and I'm also not going to bend the knee and and, and acquiesce the way that so many others have done.
7: And uh, just a comment on RFK Jr. Um, the uh, the Roger Waters incident like really bummed me out, but like I'm still leaning that for the primary, if only because as long as RFK Jr. feels like a blunt enough object to beat Biden to death with, I'm on board for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but and, and then the other thing that I just wanted to say is just look at Baskar and DSA's track record, especially like this really triggered me today. Him tweeting about like people dropping the importance of the issue for Medicare for all. And it's like, yeah, because of you, there was a candidate in 2016 and 2020 that backed it that you didn't support.
1: Like th- that's on you, dude. Well, I actually so I saw that tweet and I, I like that tweet because I think he's completely right. That the left has decided it's not interested in Medicare for all anymore. And any number of media folks in the left media sphere, I think, play a role in that. I think Sanders and all of the DSA electeds choosing just not to talk about it anymore play a role in that. And that we should be interrogating as a community how it is that something that felt like a real moral compunction for us all, Four years ago is now like "Mm, well, like now it's all about being anti-war. I don't like. I'm obviously not criticizing the focus on the war. I mean, we're literally on the precipice of World War III, so like I get it, but it 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 does seem to me to be like the lack of moral urgency around some of these economic populist issues. It's very concerning to me especially when this idea of like domestic spending is being wielded as a cudgel by this bipartisan anti-war alliance. When half of that alliance, three quarters of that alliance, the conservative side of that alliance has made its entire political agenda about never doing domestic spending, fighting Biden's infrastructure plan, fighting even the roads and bridges parts of it, fighting any kind of domestic spending, which the Biden administration has been pointing out recently that all of these conservative um, representatives around the country have been doing ribbon cuttings and lauding all of the money that's coming to their state from Biden's spending package when they voted it down. And I think that that's why I don't trust. I'm not saying, oh, look, Republicans are hypocritical. Like, that's boring. That's not why I bring it up. But that, like, I'm worried that the good thing, which is domestic spending, which the left is invested in because we're genuine economic populists, is being exploited by the right because. They are able to basically say, "Hey, we got to in the war to because Americans deserve that money more." But without a left to actually be pressing for specific agenda items, they come off as looking more faux populist. We're not there to expose the emptiness of their claims that they want to do domestic spending, and I have concerns. So wh- I mean, help me understand why you had an uh, issue with Bosker's tweet.
7: I I think my single biggest problem, and this is just. Being an actual, like, Green Party, like, invested in both of those elections, like, signing petitions or petitioning or volunteering, um, the single most upsetting thing to me is that just, like, everyone associated with the DSA was just, like, radio silent about it. Like, even reaching out to them, like, their local chapter and nationally, no one was willing to take any sort of heat or stick their neck out, especially like 2020, because the issue was, especially in Kansas, like the the problem of petitioning to a point of independent ballot recognition, especially at like the the height and, uh, you know, the terror of covid, like convincing any volunteers to go out and talk to a bunch of people in person to get pieces of paper signed was like a really a dubious and hard thing to do. So all of the advice came that it needed to be some sort of, like, you know, legal action or, you know, ginning up popular support or at least, like, you know, any organization that could let somebody know that signatures are being collected and to get the word out to, you know, make something happen. I mean, they just – they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't respond. I'm I'm just – I am hey, sorry, I'm just I'm kind of at sick a little of their loss. you're
1: saying that the the DSA wasn't supportive of ballot access measures for whom the greens okay so what's going on there and I am this is not an excuse I strongly disapprove of their choice to do this I think the DSA does is is worried about the reputation they don't want the reputation of being a spoiler they want to seem legitimate they are a little bit high on the supply of uh, this quote-unquote success of, of the squad members being in Congress and that access and all of that. And it is very bad for the brand. We've all experienced being called a spoiler. We've all been told that we are single-handedly responsible for Roe being overturned and all of that shit. We all saw how obsessed the American public liberals became with Jill Stein. I was at a Norm Finkelstein event. Uh, with ostensible progressives, and this woman came up to me talking about how much she hates Jill Stein. I mean, it's weird. So, like, they don't they don't want that smoke. They're not interested in being explicitly political in that way, and especially for uh, what is you know understood in the public imagination as the spoiler party. This is a face saving thing. This is a re- this is reputational damage control, and that's why DSA is like fund like you can. It is what it is. But it's fundamentally just not that radical.
7: That's one interpretation. I just see them as always choosing the Democratic Party over policy. And that's really all I've got to say. I want to move on to another caller.
1: Sure. Well, I appreciate you calling in, Nick. Thanks. Uh, this is going to be the last one. Um. So let me just go to... Uh, Dina, I feel like just for gender parity reasons, I might have to hang up on you if you're a guy. LOL. JK, JK. How are you doing, Dina? Um, hello? Hey! How you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm a girl. Um... Hallelujah. <laughs> Holding it down uh, for the fairer sex, LOL, uh, this evening. What's on your mind?
5: Um, so, uh, I'm. I have been marinating on a lot of thoughts about um just different labor issues um Mm -hmm. so I'm really excited to um listen to the UPS episode um which I find exciting for maybe unusual reasons because um just having personally like gone through a contract fight this past year with my union Mm. Um, there are some things that the teamsters are doing right now that are so good (laughs) and that people like unions never do during contract fights um Mm. so one of the things i've really noticed um is that the they keep setting deadlines for management so like management is always going to delay that's their strategy um Like, I, I hate as much as I understand the sentiment, but I hate when people will like post things like, oh, like we've been, we've been working without like past contract expiration for like two years, like shame on management, blah, blah, blah. But it's, that's what management does. Um, (laughs) So it's like your job to develop aggressive counter strategies against their strategy like you can't just say like oh th- this is their strategy um you actually have to figure out a way to counter it um mm-hmm. and yeah and even like like the fact that negotiations broke down and they just walked away like the number of times i tried to get my bargaining committee to just walk out of these bargaining uh sessions these endless bargaining sessions where it's just so obvious that management is giving us insulting proposals that they're clearly acting in bad faith. Um, And it's just so crazy to me when these bargaining committees just keep on negotiating in good faith. Um, And, and it, and it, again, like that's management, management delaying is management doing what it's supposed to do. Like that's literally their Mm -hmm. Mm job. And like the union's job is to prepare the membership to strike um, as soon as the contract expires. You Mm -hmm. have you have zero bargaining position is always going to be weak unless there is a credible strike threat. Um, And not just not just in the form of like a strike authorization vote. Sorry, I have, like, all these notes because I've been, like, um, collecting all of my thoughts. Um, So, one thing... So, okay. um, Kind of tangential. um, I wanted to talk about some issues I've had with, like, labor journalists and Mm -hmm. how they cover these sorts of things. Um, So... And it's it's understandable. We're all eager for like any good news and victories. Um, but one thing I noticed that keeps happening is they will celebrate a TA, a tentative agreement, before the workers have um, read it and voted on it. Hmm. Um, and and even with like specifically the Rutgers union um, contract fight. Uh, that was a couple months ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone celebrated not a tentative agreement, but a tentative framework, which isn't a real thing. Um, and it's completely non binding. And the leadership undemocratically, unilaterally decided to end the strike once they got that tentative framework. Um, and so then, like, the narrative became around it that this that it's a like us that we should celebrate this tentative framework and then what happens is after that tentative agreement like nobody keeps paying attention mm-hmm. um and it creates what i found is like in my own experience with our contract fight was that it kind of like puts pressure on the rank and file to vote yes on the tentative agreement mm-hmm. um and the, the bargaining committee and the leadership of the unions will also try to make the tentative agreement seem good, like it's a good thing and that they got the best thing. Um, the same way that management is going to try to spin it as being a good agreement. And that's because BC's, when they're, when they keep negotiating for like years, months and years um in these endless bargaining sessions that they're not willing to end and focus on like actually doing the strike prep they get tired and then they just like they're tired and (laughs) and they don't want to keep bargaining anymore um and it just it seems to me like a lot of these like really good left labor journalists um are also, like, as long as the leadership of a union has kind of, like, militant vibes and um, also, like, will like, call a strike, there's just no, like, critical um, thought going on about, like, that leadership itself. Mm-hmm. So this also happened with the Rutgers Union, um, where... This thing where, like, they literally undemocratically called off um, the strike with without a tentative agreement um, is just insane. And I felt like nobody was really, like, m- making that point forcefully. Um, as And, like, I feel like these labor journalists, a lot of the time, it feels more like they're stenographers for, like, the reform caucuses and like the more militant leadership, um, any union that goes on strike, what the like leadership sends out as a press release, they just print it um and with the Rutgers Union, this was really crazy um, so the, on their official Twitter account, they were like complaining about management once they called off the strike they they complained about management like dragging their feet and delaying which is like duh of course they're gonna do that um so I like just commented on it being like yeah like I understand the sentiment but like that's what happens when you undemocratically end a strike um when you without even like having a real tentative agreement and they hid my reply um Mm -hmm. which and that's their official union account and I ended up talking to a member of that union and they had been blocked by that official twitter account and like that's just and I it was like the only way I found people like rank and file Mm -hmm. members who um had like issues with their leadership um and like There's some, like, weird interpersonal dynamics going on with, like, there's, like, a kind of, like, a clique that runs the adjunct union that's, like, kind of toxic. Um, But um, the only way I found out about that was just, like, through Twitter, like, random people posting. I was, like, just, like, searching for that kind of stuff. And, like, no labor journalists were publishing it. I, like... I think, like, Ben Burgess was part of that, and I don't think I remember him ever saying anything critical about anything, um, and it just feels like, um, it just feels like, like, it's just, there still needs to be accountability for people who Seem like they're they're like pretty relative to like corrupt, insanely business friendly unions. Like yeah, they're really great, um, but that still doesn't mean there aren't these like the things that you can criticize them about, um, and that like they can still be even as much as they might talk about being democratic, they can still act in undemocratic ways, and that's like what.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things I really loved about being in the socialist alternative worker strike backspace is the kind of open discussion of business unionism. It's something that Shama talks a lot about, and it's part of why I became frustrated as I did this podcast over the years. Every time, you know, you would say, I want X, Y, and Z to happen, and people would say, well, then you got to organize, and then you would speak to people about organizing, and then they would start to slowly, steadily surface these reasons why unions weren't necessarily working. And I remember talking to, um, I don't know why I do this every single time her name comes up, Jane McAlevey, mm-hmm. uh, and she, you know, ad- acknowledged that there were this there were these problems with union leadership, but was somewhat reluctant, you know, because of the role that she plays in organizing to be, you know, to like throw anybody under the bus or to be openly antagonistic. And I understand that given her role, but at the same time, it feels at some level like you're making false promises to people about how unions are a solve when there's so much internal. Uh, muck that needs to be addressed in the first instance. Um, So I have leaned toward uh, people who are discussing labor in a way that seems more open and pragmatic and less precious than the way that I think that some institutional leftists talk about it. Um, I have had a particular issue with certain very high profile labor journalists who I think do a lot of water carrying for the democratic party generally speaking, but there are also a lot of other labor journalists who I think have been doing, um, very good, clear eyed, uh, work too. So I appreciate you calling in. I'm sorry.
5: Yeah. I mean, I, I, this is sort of like not even connected to like the democratic party in any way, like, Mm -hmm um this is like purely just a labor issue um
1: no i i hear you i hear yeah. you i appreciate you calling in, Dina. i'm sorry i've got to run i'm i'm over time i'm supposed to be somewhere in 15 minutes
5: I'm so glad we got a call in today
1: uh i'm glad i was able to do it again i apologize to everybody for it being um shorter than i would have liked uh, but it was really good to check in with you all and I hope to see you in the not-too-distant future, maybe on Locals. They, I got a meeting with them. They're trying they're trying to move everybody over to Locals. I have mixed feelings about it. But um, let's discuss. We'll discuss. All right, guys, keep the faith. Why is this not playing? Why is this not playing? Okay. Oh, wait. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go.
6: Way. Too bad bitches Then we kissin'
1: in a way, kissing, kissing in a way, kissing, kissing in a wave I need that black card and the cold to the safe Cold to the safe, cold, code to the safe, babe i show 'em
6: how the net worth Fuck that net, click the chill, what's your net, net, net worth?
1: Cause I want you and I need you And I'm down for you always And I'm down
5: for you always And I'm down for ya always